0: Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today.
1: Good morning and welcome to Woman Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Melissa Washington, your host of Women, Veterans, in Business. Our show topic today is Love Your Life, Live in Health. And our leading lady today is Deanna Wan. Deanna, Welcome.
2: Melissa, thank you so much for having me on your show today.
1: Absolutely, and, and thank you for your service.
2: Oh, thank you for yours as well. <laughs>
1: thank you. So, I, you know, since we're focused on uh, women veterans in business, we always want to begin the talks with as far as our, um, our military journey and why you joined the military and your time in the military. So um, we're going to go back a little bit. Um, To what made you decide to join the military and then also to to go to the um, to the Academy?
2: Yes, I wanted to find something that was maybe a little bit off the beaten path, you know I, I and you know, I was exposed to the US Air Force Academy while in high school I went to their summer scientific seminar um, for a week and uh, was just really drawn to that place um, it, you know it was just beautiful setting in the Rocky Mountains and I wanted to develop um, you know just just the discipline that I saw um, amongst the cadets there and um, and so you know before I knew it I just got a hold of the catalogs and you know was reading them and decided to apply and uh, got in but it wasn't um, you know, it wasn't a smooth path, you know, when I, you know, you have to test and do a physical fitness test um, to get in, and back then I passed everything except for one test. I actually failed the um, pull-up test, and um, back during that time, it was, you know, in the 1980s, um, when a woman just had to do one pull-up, um, and I, I couldn't do any, even though I had trained with a police sheriff for a better part of a year prior to that, and my brother, who was in the Marines at the time, I was training with him, too, but couldn't do it on the day of the test. And so um, with that failure, I basically, um, you know, I I just prayed, and and I just said, God, if you want me to go there, you'll make a way, otherwise it wasn't meant to be. And I had to retest in a week, um, and so I went back, and um, amazingly, um, I did three pull-ups, um, from zero to three and so that was my sign <laughs> that's where I was supposed to go. Absolutely.
1: So you go, you're, you go to the academy um, and for those that may not be familiar with the um, Air Force Academy, can you just tell a little bit about um, how, how long that is and, and what, what happens in the academy?
2: Sure. Yes, it's it's like a four-year college university, and it's it's one of the uh, military academies, you know, like West Point. It's like the West Point of the Air Force, and you know, of course, there's a the Naval Academy as well and Coast Guard Academy. Um, so, uh, it's it's just like a university, but it's um, a little bit more regimented, and you know, you go through basic training. But after the four years, you come out with your bachelor's degree. Um, and a commission, a full commission as a second lieutenant in the Air Force.
1: And so, during that time, what did you what did you want to do? What was your your aspiration? What is the, I wanted to do this in the Air Force?
2: I initially was just trying to figure it out. I thought, well, maybe I'll go into civil engineering um, and. And then I changed, I thought maybe astronautical engineering, and eventually I settled on physics. And I decided on physics because I felt like it was, you know, a basic science that would actually allow me to understand the world around me.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to just go back, too, just to, to make a note so that our listeners understand, too, as far as, you, you know, you joined in the 80s, and that was the the first decade of women being admitted you know, into military service academies. So um, you're one of the one of the trailblazers of of women going to the academies, and and thank you for that,
2: um, doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. Thanks for bringing
1: think, that up. Yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I, I think it's important for people to know. I mean, that's not. I mean, it's long long ago, but that not not that long ago. Um, you know, for women to be able to uh, have the, the opportunity to go to the academy um, there. So, you you go to the Academy, what's your next, what's your your duty station after out of the Academy?
2: So, my first duty station was in Dayton, Ohio at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So, I was working currently now the sensors director of the Air Force Research Laboratory. But back then, of course, it had a different name. And um, it was um, really an awesome assignment because you know I was fresh out of you know the Academy with my physics degree and managed to secure um, a job working in a lab and I was basically shown an empty lab space and um, you know told to go build a laser radar design system in a you know, laboratory and so um, was able to actually build right Laboratory's first coherent laser radar system
1: very 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 impressive so let's let's fast forward a little bit um, to when you were diagnosed with ovarian cancer so if you can just how how long were you already in the military where were you at I mean what was your life like and how did you find out and I mean we know it, it changed the whole trajectory of your life and what you do but can you just tell us a little bit about that time
2: Sure, yeah, so I was about 23 years already in the Air Force and um, uh, had, you know, I was working at the time as the um, Joint Program Manager for Biological Defense, Um, and I remember um, I started feeling, you know, a lot of pressure and pain in my uh, pelvis area um, and, you know, landed shortly in the hospital And, uh, you know, I was told that um, I had ovarian cancer, that they had pretty much ruled out everything else, and I had excruciating pain. Um, You know, they put me on a a morphine IV, and, you know, it was really shocking (laughs) because um, it didn't even touch the level of pain that I had. Um, That's how bad it was. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I basically saw just a vicious cycle with the medications that they had me on Um, you know I would develop side effects and then they would give me medications to treat those and it kept going and at a certain point I kind of you know defaulted back to maybe because my um, my grandfather my mother's father was a traditional you know Chinese medicine herbalist and uh, I realized that um, growing up being treated with these herbs for whatever ailments you might have, um, you know, there were no side effects from it. And so I, you know, that early on, I kind of made a decision to um, change my diet and to just, you know, clean things up. And, um, and amazingly, when I made certain changes, I noticed within three months, my elevated tumor markers actually dropped back to, um, you know, to, to normal. And so I thought, well, great. you know everything's under control, and I went back to um you know essentially working my sixteen to eighteen hour days in the military, and eventually, I um, landed myself in hospice and um and at that point, it really looked like the point of no return. I you know basically was told I had four weeks left to live i and here i I had both of my lungs collapse filled with fluid. And I was um, on oxygen, so it was a pretty traumatic um, period to go through. But, uh, you know, I, I managed really by God's grace to recover from that. And um, when I did that, I, I knew that my healing wasn't just for me. It was really to be able to help other people and to provide hope that even when it looks like, you know, things are kind of grim, um, you know there's always still hope, absolutely so
1: with that so that was so you had still stayed in the military after all of this happened
2: i did i still i I was still in the military at the time, and um, at a certain point you know. I I just realized that I I probably would have to retire, you know, if it wasn't for this Diagnosis that I had received with the ovarian cancer. I I probably would have stayed in you know much longer, but um, Given that diagnosis and you know after I landed in hospice then I decided you know to um, To actually apply for retirement because you know I was in a leadership position and you know just kind of was thinking about the organization too, and, and wanting the best for for the organization as a whole, and um, and I'm just very grateful. I, I just feel like um, uh, my boss is, you know, it was a joint assignment, and um, my boss at the time was an Army general who uh, really took very good care of me, and um, and so that that's what allowed me to eventually transition out of the military and into what i'm currently doing now
1: that's great um and i want to get back to that we're just going to take a quick um moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners woman lead radio is brought to you today by connected women of influence and our partner woman lead radio is brought to you by our partner national university national university is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971 the National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, the National Education—excuse me—National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe, with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. And truly, thank you so much for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. All right, so we're back to women, veterans, and business. And with us today is Deanna, and she was just sharing with us. Her military experience, her time of being diagnosed with ovarian cancer, being told that she only had four weeks to live, and now we're into her transition out because all of these things that happen to you brings you to where I mean you are today, right? It is everything. And so let's let's go back your your transition of the military. And what are you thinking? What's next for you? Are you going? Are you? You said, okay, I'm going to, go in to work in corporate America. I'm going to work in the health field. What was what was what was the plan?
2: At that time, my plan was actually to go work at the Department of State because you know I had worked in international research and development mm-hmm. in the military, and so I, I felt it would lend itself really well to you know just um, a foreign you know a foreign affairs type of a job.
1: then what 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 was going on so what happened when when was it or what was that feeling of okay what I've gone through I know can help other people and I'm sure you probably felt that during the time but how did you decide to in know you know transition into your own your own business of helping others um you know health you know practitioner and um, I mean, there's all these things that you're doing and, and certified, and, and I to me it's so it's so fascinating, and I, and I definitely want to learn more and understand more. But w- what brought you to that? Um, when was that time that okay said, "Okay, I'm, this is I'm gonna am I'm gonna do this"? And um... well, it,
2: it was it was really organic, Melissa, because um, when I first received my diagnosis of ovarian cancer. That's when I actually initially enrolled in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition because I wanted to explore all the different dietary, uh, you know, dietary theories um, to see which diet would be best suited for my own healing. And um, it, it's, it's, you know, interestingly enough, of course, when I ended up in hospice, I had to call the school, and they were incredibly supportive, and they said, well, you know, when you recover, and I wasn't sure I was going to recover, but they said, when you recover, you can pick it up, but you, you would have to start all over again, and so that's kind of what I went through. I actually, once I recovered, I started it all over again and realized that, um, you know, while I had initially started to learn this for myself, that it could help many people um, because I thought, surely, if you know, if I'm able to come out of hospice, that, that in itself, if one person can recover, that there's no reason why other people can't do the same thing, you know, no matter what the situation. And I just felt such a strong conviction about that, that um, I continue to work on different certifications um, to include functional diagnostic nutrition, you know, which allows me to, you know, order labs for my clients, um, you know, functional labs, that sometimes the more conventional doctors may not, you know, order. But um, but that's how I started. And then, of course, you know, healing is, is a continuous journey. You know, it, it's not a one-and-done thing. And so I've just continued to, you know, whatever I, I feel passion towards, you know. For example, at one point in time, um, I was having really issues with um, my – vitals becoming unstable, high heart rate, high blood pressure, and it would just be episodic, you know, nothing consistent, and um, I ended up, you know, after being in a hospital many times, nobody could really help me, and I ended up in a, a chiropractor's office, and he realized that my nervous system was so on edge that he could not even physically touch me to work on me, and so... Um, he worked, he, he kind of just waved his hands in the air around my body, and I had no idea what he was doing. But my my heart rate, which was well over 100, you know, it was like 150, it dropped back down to 70 beats per minute from what he did. So I said, well, what is this? And he says, oh, it's something called biogeometry. And so, so I told myself, well, when, when I get well from this, I'm going to go study that. And so that's exactly what I did, and that's kind of what led me down this path, you know, to, to what I'm doing now is is just um, from my own personal experience and, and just what called out to my heart, you know, as far as I need to learn more about this.
1: And you're definitely a learner because I was, I, you know, looking at your your bio and everything, that you do, you're a certified emotion code practitioner, and I definitely want to talk a little bit more about that. A certified NES health practitioner, you earned a certific- certification in NES health bio, bio, biogenetics wellness, and the emotion code um, cert- certification in pre- uh, permaculture design. Um, amazing that you're you're learning more for you but then also to be able to help others and and getting all these certifications and learning and i know even know right now we're talking and, and you're at a conference and you took the time to to get on this um show and i greatly appreciate that but just that you're continuing to to learn so so what is a, a certified emotion code practitioner
2: It's basically a practitioner who's trained in this um, form of energy healing that was developed by Dr. Bradley Nelson and um, it's a modality that actually allows you to identify like if you're having some sort of health symptom or sickness or illness um, what is the underlying emotion that is contributing to that because nothing is ever in isolation and I learned that from my own journey you know I initially when I had, you know, the cancer, I I was focused very heavily on diet and nutrition, and I could see the benefits of that. You know, it, it, it was clear that um, diet affected my tumor markers. However, um, I got to a point where I felt like um, my progress had plateaued, and I knew I would have to go deeper, and so the, that deeper part um, was in the emotional area, because, you know, if you're if you've ever experienced any sort of emotional conflict or trauma in the past, um, if if those uh, traumas are not really resolved, um, then they actually can exert an energetic influence that are still carried within um, your cells, the body. and um, And with all energy, we know from physics that energy can neither be created nor destroyed, so Um, If it's there and it's not, you know, um, processed or dealt with, that is what can eventually, after years of having the same sort of a detrimental energy, and you may not be aware of it on a conscious level, but it's there within our subconscious, which is like if you think about an iceberg, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg is really our conscious mind, but what lurks beneath the water is huge, and that is our subconscious mind, And the subconscious remembers everything that we've been through Um, and so so this modality allows you using emotion code to not only identify what these emotions are but to clear it from your system so that it no longer has to impact you and is that something you're
1: able to do with people over the phone they come in person how does that process work
2: um, you can they can come in person, but I can work with them remotely, and so that's the real power of this. Um, I've worked with people, even like in China, um, and and it, it doesn't matter because this is a it's based on quantum physics, and so you know there's there's what's known as the field, which is a, it's like the matrix that you know we're actually all connected um, into. And so it's, it's um, been really an amazing process to learn about this because it is so very powerful because distance is, is not a factor.
1: All right, so I, I, I'm, again, I'm intrigued and I'm sure there are many people that are listening right now, want to find out how can they reach out to you after the show? So what's the best way for um, people to contact you?
2: Yes, they can uh, find me on my website, which is my name. Basically, it's Deanna1.com. That's spelled D-E-A-N-N-A-W-O-N dot com. Perfect,
1: and we'll have a link to your website on the on the show page um, as well. And we met. Um, a few years ago, we were in Texas gathered for different uh, women um, that are speakers because you're also a speaker as well. And one of the things that I remember about you, um, which, again, using the word intrigued again, was that, um, you know, you, t- you, you talk it and you live it, and that came to when you're healthy, you're, you're eating, right? So you, And you know that when you go to different places, there might not be the right foods. And I was impressed by how you, however you searched searched around the, the hotel that we were at for different places that would have food, um, you know, that that you were interested in. I'm sure you brought food, but um, it, is that something you still continue to do?
2: Yes, absolutely. In fact, I'm doing it here at this um, conference. I've brought in my own water, food, <laughs> and uh it, it's 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 really important, and it's not hard, you know. It, it just you know you can you, people can just Yelp, you know, places, um, you know, so that even when you're traveling, you don't have to just be subject to whatever's there. Um, I just think it takes a little bit of pre-planning, and you know, you, you just have to take care of, you know, your physical body, and it will make a difference in whatever you're doing.
1: That's great. Now so the speaking what are what are some what are the your speaking topics
2: I can speak on a broad um, I guess variety of topics anything from you know authenticity and leadership to you know um, how to live healthy you know holistic healing whether it's um, from cancer or you know just maybe weight loss or um, you know blood pressure um, but it, but it, it goes beyond that, you know. Like um, I can also speak about, you know, the electromagnetic environment. Um, how is that impacting your health? You know, like from your cell phone devices, Wi-Fi, that sort of thing. Um, so so yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's uh, the sky's the limit. Um, I I ha- you know in permaculture now, of course, that's growing things organically. Um, which is in a way that is sustainable for nature, Um, and it's a sharp kind of a pivot from, you know, what we've all experienced through industrial agriculture. And so, you know, anything that has to do with with health and and life, that's that's sort of my my focus.
1: So you're very busy. So what do you like to do in your spare time, if you have any?
2: (laughs) Um, In my spare time, you know, I'm really into photography, and I love wildlife. Um, I love the birds, and so I love to just get out and just take pictures of just the amazing variety of birds um, around us, no matter where you live, um, they're there. Um, And I also am a musician, I play the piano, Um, so um, I like to, you know, just, Listen to music as well, um, and uh, and movement, dance. I, I love dance as well. <laughs> so um, those are just some of my hobbies.
1: Awesome. Now, with that, with all the great work that you're doing, and all the the health benefits with this, what do you think is why is this not becoming more mainstream? I mean, I mean it's very slow. But what what is it going to take to to have it progress quicker and to more mainstream?
2: I think it's when people realize, like, if they're facing a health crisis or it could be even just uh, a life crisis, um, that's, that's kind of a doorway to, you know, where when you have a crisis, it's really an opportunity to see, well, what's working in your life and what's not, and to basically... Uh, go through a process where you're like, okay, we need to change, we need to pivot, and 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 that's what really opens the door. That's when I did my deep dive into researching is when I, you know, received the cancer diagnosis. And it could be different for different people. It may not take something that's life threatening, but it, you know, if if a person gets to a point where they're just feeling enough dissatisfaction with the current state of their life. That's actually an opportunity, um, and and so I think that it's important for people to really become aware of that and not to just minimize it. I think that's how people just kind of continue with the status quo in their life and things don't get better. But it's it's when you have a moment to just take a step back and see, okay, wait a minute, you know, rather than than be than run on automatic pilot, what can I do differently? And then that's when. People learn, and it could, it may not be for themselves. It might be their children. Maybe they have a child that has autism, for example, and and so then that causes the parent to to dig deeper to see well, what can really help my child. Um,
0: oh.
2: So what's what's next for you? Well, um, I'm really wanting to look at ways to um, you know just optimize some of my systems. Um, There's a book that I'm also working on uh, that I really would like to publish um, soon and I'm looking to also develop an online course uh, for holistic healing from cancer for those who you know don't have the opportunity to work with me one-on-one. I want the information to be out there um, for anyone to access.
1: Oh, fantastic. So uh, believe it or not, we're coming up to the end of our, our show. And want to find out, is there anything um, you'd like to leave with our listeners?
2: Yeah, the the, the one thing I want to leave behind um, for your listeners, Melissa, is that, um, you know, no matter what is happening in your life, um, you know, take the time to really check in with yourself you know, if, if there's something that you just feel like is is not quite working the way you want, you know, you don't have to continue down that path. Um, there's There's always hope, you know, that's number one. There's always hope that your situation can improve and can turn around. And so don't ever give up hope. And then once you have that hope, then that will kind of open things up for your mind to be able to explore. And then the last thing is to be sure that it's not just, you know, if you make a decision, that you're not making it just out of your cognitive, you know, intellectual process, but that you check in with your heart. And if it's something where you really feel at peace, um, then, you know, then proceed, or if it brings you a lot of joy. And so I just think it's important, you know, you know, hope, um, you know, joy, love, peace. Um, All of these things are are really critically important. You can't leave them out.
1: No, that's great, great words. And, well, that's our show for today. And I'd like to say thank you to Deanna One for being our leading lady today. And a special thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio and all subscription podcasts specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We're expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast, so for now we'll be back again for another live Women Lead Radio Show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening and have a great week.
0: Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.